August 22, 2018, it's a Watt for Pedro show.
Live for Pedro Show. Happy Wednesday. Brother Matt just getting back from Catalina. Still indisposed, but we'll be talking with him shortly. Today, uh, I'm not man alone. Through the incredible engineers in Estonia who brought us Skype, I got Lisa Gerard with me. She's in uh, what part of Belgium right now, Lisa? In Brussels. Brussels, the big town. Okay, uh, we start off the show with John Coltrane and Thelonious Monk live doing Blue Monk. And then Pora Sotunda from the Mystery of the Bulgarian Voices, which is the name of Lisa Gerard's new album. Lisa, um, can you tell me your earliest musical recollection? Um, I had a transistor radio when I was about, I think I would have been about six, five or six, my father had a small transistor radio. And, I mean, I remember singing and all that sort of thing, but to hear music away from just family singing was the first time was on that transistor radio. Is that, is that how your family made music was singing? Was there any players? My fa- I come from an Irish background, so it was a lot of Chinos, um singing in the house. Was there any instruments like a piano or a guitar or a flute? Yeah, we had people playing piano accordions and flutes, violins, um, pia- uh, mouth organs. So you grew up with people playing music live. Okay, that's great. Uh, what yeah. was uh, what was the first instrument you picked up? Well, singing probably, right? It was singing, yes. Did you learn an instrument? I played lots of instruments. I play Yang Chin. Um, I don't know if you know that instrument. It's a Chinese dulcimer. Yeah, I've heard of them. Kind of a kodo. Yeah, it's yeah, it's but it was a Chinese one. But I had it in a a, a Western tuning. Okay. So I played that. I also play some piano accordion. I'm not brilliant with it, but... Um. <laughs> well, going way, going way back, did your parents have you take lessons or stuff? No, it was just... It wasn't about lessons in the home. It was really just about learning songs and tunes. Yeah, and singing along, right? I, I, I can dig it. What, what about at school? Um, no, I wanted to play the piano, but we didn't have a piano, so there was no point because I couldn't practice it. Well, so. uh, especially in the older days, uh, our, our schools had like programs where you could be in the school band, the marching band. Uh, no, no, I was never in anything like that. There was nothing like that when I was at school. Okay. What about after school, like a garage band or in the bedroom or stuff like that yes yes i played in many bands in fact i had a band with a, another friend of mine brendan perry we have a group called dead can dance and we started playing together when we were about 17 years old was that and your, we still we still play together now was that your first band no no i was in a few other bands can you tell Michael, me about can you tell me about the first band you played in the first one was a band called Junk Logic, and um, it was a slide guitar 
with Yang Chin, of course, with me playing Yang Chin and accordion and singing and a small drum machine. What town was this, Lisa? In Melbourne. Okay. Melbourne's kind of a music town, huh? Yeah, I really love it. It's, it's, a, it's a really nice town. Have you been there? Uh, I've played there five times. Oh, what group did you play in? Well, or did you play alone? A few times, uh, they were called the Big Day Out Festival. Oh, I know the Big Day Out Festival, yeah. Right, and so uh, first time was uh, Jay Maskus in the Fog, the guy from Dinosaur, and then... No, no, it wasn't. That was the second time. The first time was helping out Porto for Pyros, Perry, Perkins, and Peter. And then, what style of music was it? Well, Porto for Pyro was the band that came out of Jane's Addiction. Uh, you know, rock and roll. Oh, I know Jane's Addiction. Yeah. So this was it. 1996. That's the first time I played there. And oh, okay. I played there uh, three times with the Stooges. Okay. And, uh, yeah, Melbourne, big town for Stooges. <laughs> yeah, I like I like Melbourne. Yeah, I remember there's something, a cherry bar or something. And uh, maybe uh, the co- Psychos, Cosmic psych- Psychobilly? I, I don't know because I left Melbourne in 1980. Okay. It would have been 1982. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this was... Uh, early 2000s and uh, I remember okay no I wasn't living there then so I wouldn't know yeah well the, the alley that leads to this bar is named after uh, ACDC and in, in, in the sidewalk somebody wrote F- play fucking stooges and I don't know uh, I did a gig there oh, was, yeah. that's nice so you were quite known there uh, you know France and Australia are probably the biggest stooges countries Oh, in, in my opinion, from my experience. Yeah. Okay, so uh, were you, you were you in bands in Melbourne? Yes, I was in I was in bands, and I'm still in a band. I'm still in Dead Can Dance. You know, I mean, it's not a band, but it's um, it's a group that, okay. that I write music okay. with one other person. We've been writing together for since uh, probably about 1979. Yeah, a little while. Mm. <laughs> well, so this band you were telling me about, uh, lo- some kind of logic? Junk logic. Junk logic. That was in Melbourne. That was in Melbourne. That was I was only about 16. Okay. Do you remember your first gig? I certainly do. It was at a, a pub in Melbourne called the Rising Sun Hotel in Richmond. Okay. Yeah, it was a, it was um, it was very very rough, <laughs> very rough. <laughs> was it scary? Um, yeah, people. Well, uh, I should tell the listeners that in Australia you play a lot of hotels because where the bar is, is kind of place. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, and back then, I mean, of course, you know, we were only children. I shouldn't have been in the pub. I was only sixteen, but. Um, I wasn't drinking or anything. We just went there to play our music. And there wasn't very many people listening. They were mostly talking. But, um, you know, we, that was the beginning of the work. 
Right. And did you record with this band? No, of course not. I mean, we had no money. Okay. You know. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I we used to put our instruments into a supermarket trolley and put a bicycle lock on the supermarket trolley on a pole so we could get our instruments home in the trolley, you know. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're talking like a shopping cart, right? Yeah, like a shopping cart. <laughs> That's Econo. Yeah, because we couldn't drive. I mean, and yeah, I we understand. had no money. Yeah, I understand. Well, you know, nowadays you can record for very cheap. In those days it was very difficult, I know. It was. You had to have a record label. and we No, we were only children. I mean... But that's great that you had an early start. I know some people started much later. In fact, I have yet to have two people on this show that have the same journey through music. Everybody seems to have a different one. I want to play this song here, Mama Malenko.
And the more I wish it, the more I would dream. Cause you see we're a match made in heaven.
Somebody's ringing the bell Do me a favor Open the door Plačat koke, vidat nas 
Сите плачат, кога ке не видат нас Точните провинци Се бориме за големата и зла империя Стоиме сите отвлечени исто Се е изправно изпеглана и чисто Галиме деца пред телевизия Смееме, помагаме, реки премостуваме, галиме деца пред телевизия.
We heard Moma Malenko from the Mystery of the Bulgarian Voices. I got to play in Bulgaria uh, three gigs about three years ago. It was my first time there. I liked it a lot. And then we heard Kim Salmon and Spencer P. Jones doing Ass for Water. Uh, People, uh, we lost Brother Spencer P. Jones to cancer yesterday, so very sad. Uh, He was very, I got to do a bunch of gigs with him last time. Stu just played over in Australia and uh, great cat all of, all the people in Beast of Bourbon his uh, bass man Brian Hooper four months ago so yeah kind of sad what about that then many birthdays after that from Austin with Sunburst Future Dark and Bright that's brand new Petra Hayden with Let Him In she's up in Hollywood 21 Vec out of Macedonia with Nad Afghanistan the Doers out of Vancouver with the Good Liver Part 1. Vermes, yeah, and a couple from Brazil here. Vermes de Limbo, Igapo Lambari, and Name the Band with Sai. Back with Lisa and her musical journey. So, uh, this is probably during uh, 
high school or junior high school when you were doing uh, Junk Logic, right? Yes. Did you go to music school after, like college or shit like that? No, no. I suppose music's always been there. It's just I was going to learn to sing with someone in Zaragoza, a nun in a in a. She lived in a convent. She was very old, and she told me that I had to give up singing for anybody else for six years because she wanted to teach me to do bel canto singing when I was in my probably early twenties. But she was in her, I'd say she would have been about 85 or something, and I thought six years, you know, how can I guarantee that you're still going to be alive? <laughs> right. Bel Canto, and, what is that, like pretty song? Yeah, well, Bel Canto, is, it's like a type of an opera. It's a Western-style classical opera. It's Italiano, and, right? Okay. Yeah, so, yeah, Bel Canto, yeah. It's Italian. And she... Um, and she said that I couldn't earn any, I couldn't sing anywhere else. I had to just sing for her. And I couldn't do that because I needed to earn money. So I couldn't um, do that. But that was the only real opportunity. But the rest of the time, it's like everyone, you know, when you do something enough, you get better at it. And it's not really different to having lessons because really having lessons is really just learning to play music, you know. Right. And uh, maybe you maybe you're learning more of a system, but I prefer not to work in systems so much. I prefer to work in harmonies. The school of life is what I was going to say. Yeah, school of life. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, it's a very interesting classroom, <laughs> especially when you have to make a living. This is what's hard for people to realize. But then, I mean, there's just a m bunch of ways to do it. Like I said, I haven't had. I've done the show for seventeen and a half years, and I've yet to have two people do it same. So, yes, yeah, this lady wanted you to focus so much; it would have closed up all the other. Yeah, I understand. It would be possible for me, and I'm not so. I like opera, but once I started to understand what they were actually singing about, I lost interest anyway. <laughs> I found the libretto quite boring, you know. The theme, sort of. Yeah, the tema. <laughs> Talking about, you know, gossip, gossiping, you know. Sure, sure. Singing gossip, you know. So, I don't know. But uh, It wasn't know, many. I've learned that a lot of the foundation, of, especially of systematizing, uh, comes from that experience. That's why we have so many Italian words, forte, piano, glissandro, yeah. this kind of stuff. So, there's some kind of use for it. So, so okay, you... You turn that away, and what you 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 keep going with bands? Yes, I mostly played with a band, Dead Can Dance, with Brendan. It wasn't really a band; it was just the two of us, and yeah. we had a certain amount of success with that band, so we kept going. Was that band? Out, was that band out of Melbourne? Yes, we started playing together in Melbourne. Okay, and um, and then we carried on. We went. We moved moved to London. In around about, I think, 1980, something so. What was, and that, then we, what was that we, like for you? Pardon? What was that like for you? Because that's the first time you went to another country, maybe? It was a huge, a huge change. And we were there for nearly, I think, seven years before we started to establish ourselves. And, um, and then we moved to Ireland and you know, after, and after we did a lot of concert tours, we did 
many, many, many concert tours. And then we had one moment of success with uh, one piece of music that went into the charts in America and it went without any provocation. So um, that was really when the that particular group started to really establish itself in that period of time. Did you come over here to tour? Yes, I've been, we've been to America a few times. And, um, yeah, about three or four concert tours in America, which was really nice. I like playing in America. Have you, did, you, did you get to California? Yes, we played at the Hollywood Bowl. Oh, wow. Yeah, big I know. It was amazing. <laughs> I, I was really amazed by playing there. In the Hollywood Hills. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's beautiful. But we, the first place we played there, I think, was in Santa Monica. And I think it actually, there was an earthquake and it's actually gone now. That, that venue's actually gone now. Do you remember the name? No, I don't. I know Brendan would remember the name. I'm not very good at, at names. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. I was just curious. But uh, on... It was really pretty. It was very small, but it was very. It was really a very pretty place. Did you get and, to play Virginia? Uh, no, I don't think so. Because that's where I'm from. I came here when I was nine because was, my father was a sailor, and it's closer to Vietnam. So. You probably played oh. the big towns like New York City and Chicago, San Francisco. Well, they had a sort of a circuit, you know, that you went. It was like a circuit. Oh yeah, you know. You do, like San Francisco, Los Angeles, you know, um, Philadelphia, uh, New York, uh, where else? Uh, and then further down in Santa Fe, and then Denver and Boulder. Yeah, Boulder, right. All those places, and you know, places, uh, and um, Nashville, we played in Nashville. We played in pro really probably the the usual kind of big circuit of American uh, concerts, you know, that everyone goes. They sort of all play that circuit. Do you know what I mean? Right. You were probably the closest to Virginia when you played Washington, D.C. We did play in Washington, D.C., yeah. It was probably the 930 Club. I have no idea. I couldn't remember. It's that's such okay. A that's okay. Uh, uh, but you're still doing this, Praj. Was it like on and off? No, no, we're still, we have a record coming out next oh, great. year. Great. You know, we're still we're still going and we have doing concerts next year. I don't think we're coming to America, though. Okay. It's just Europe. But so, with the Bulgarian voices, I hope we can come to America with the Bulgarian voices. It's That's the record that you're playing with these that's women. Right. That that's work right. With them. That's They're amazing. But it's just such a large group. It's It's really difficult to move everyone around. You understand, it's hotels and travel and all that. It's not easy. What do you call it? Logistics. Yeah, yeah. But they actually won a Grammy back in the day. Like, it would have been in... I wasn't involved with them then. That was would have been back in the 80s. Ah, so with a, you're telling me this really ain't your prod. You joined these people. They were already going. Yes, they jo I joined these people. And, um, well, they're different people now. Because I don't know if you understand, but the Bulgarian singers, they are like a tradition of, of singing that has been around for like a thousand years. Whoa. And, and they a continued line. They're a continued line of this type of tradition. And it's very, they're very guarded. 
over the style of singing because it's folkloric, you understand. So, um, you know, to work with them, to write music with them and to sing with them is such a huge privilege for me, you know, because they don't, they're, they're, they're very, very, they're very special. Absolutely. How did you, you know, how did you hear of them, Lisa? Well, they, in 1982, Ivo Watts Russell from, we were with a record company, 4A Deep in London back then, which was a very small independent company. And he, um, heard them and he released their album in London and it just, it was huge. It, we, they got a Grammy and I, he said to me, do you want to go and see them sing? And I went to see them in London. And I was so amazed and by their voices, but I was only about 22 years old back then, and I was completely blown away by their their singing, and the beauty and joy and uh, light and the, the light and the color of their costumes and and their voices were just straight from the heart, you know. And I was trying to sing like them, so it's quite serendipitous that. You know, some 36 years later, that after being so inspired and feeling so alive after hearing them, that I was able to work with them, you know. So it's like this extraordinary circle, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's trippy how life brings things into your life. Well, uh, I would never have imagined. Back then, I was only a child, and I, I thought they were the most beautiful things I'd ever heard in my life, and... And I couldn't even imagine what it must be like to sing like that, you know. And and here I am now working with them. They're so, <laughs> I feel so privileged. You really know. great. We're at the end of the first hour, August 22, 2018, Dishwap Peter Show. Uh, special guest Lisa Gerard, hold tight for hour two. August 22, 2018, it's the second hour of the Watt from Pedro Show.
today It's not the look on their face Or some kind of disgrace I'm just laying it down A shotgun to blow
Mississippi.
Watt for Pedro Show. We started the second hour off with Ganka from the Mystery of the Bulgarian Voices, Lisa Gerard. Uh, Carla Boslich after that with Gonna Stop Killing from here in SoCal. It, uh, from Cecilia Instituto No, Bend in the Past, out of England. Cha Cha from Lucy Lee, Joe Brewer, Madison, Wisconsin, here. I drive. Ishka Bibla, I think that's near Buffalo. Off der Fluch. And then finally, drunks from bird perverts, upstate New York. Uh, Bagulise Gerard about her, her uh, yeah, being part of the mystery of the Bulgarian voice. So how did this album come about? Well, it was really, a lot of the people that have composed music for the Bulgarian voices now have passed away, you know? Yeah, <clears throat> so they asked... Um, they are, Boyana asked Peter if, you know, he would like to write some music for them. And they had a contact called Jules Maxwell, whom I've worked with before. And Jules Maxwell mentioned that I was a friend of his. And they said that I, because they were familiar with my singing, they said that they would love me to write some pieces for the Bulgarian women. And, of course, I was uh, very excited to do this, and, and that's how it started. So the pieces were um, constructed in Australia, and then I went to Bulgaria to work directly with the women. That's how it happened. Now, had you, have you already been singing with them before you did the, comp, uh, the composing? No, never. Okay. And it's well, you went, you went to a concert, though. You saw the gig. I saw the concert. But to sing with them is really different because you understand that they're singing in quarter tones and eighths. So it's, uh, and in Western singing, this, of course, the scales are a further apart. So, you know, the thing is that in order for me, even if you sound like you're singing in an Oriental style, in your singing, you're still singing in a Belcanto scale. So for me, it's taken some time to really adjust to the quarter tones and eighth tones because often if they work say for instance they write in a fourth drone a fourth they play in fourths in drones uh -huh. and then they apply quarter tones and eighth tones to these and they slip out and in, in and out of that very easily but when you try to sing in a western scale intricately with them um then there's some clashing. Yeah, sure. So it's taken me some time to really, and as you know, the live concerts have been really important because it's been part of an evolution of, of really ha learning how to, to use the voice to work with theirs. Yeah, probably the closeness of Bulgaria to Turkey, there's probably some kind of influence. Well, there's Greek, Bulgaria, and Turkey are very close together. But the Bulgarian language is quite unique because you understand that they, these languages are very, very old. And there's also the, physiolo the physiology of the people is quite different. The Bulgarian people are quite different physically. And, you know, that in influences the, the voice. It's like if you go to a gospel concert and you hear a lot of black people singing gospel, you're never going to go to a, a, a choir of white people that can achieve that color. You know, you'll get something close, but you won't, it's not authentic. And it's the same with the Bulgarians because of their physiology. It actually changes the, the sound of the voice. I do know there's some uh, 
Arab scales, like the first interval is a quarter tone. Yes, that's yeah. Right. right. Yeah, that, and that's what I meant about that. I was talking in a more general sense. You know, Elvis Presley learned to sing in church with black people. I mean, people, we are humans, and we do kind of bounce off each other, even though you're right, there are fundamental... No, that's right. It's, I'm not talking about the style. I'm talking about the color, okay. the actual color of the voices. You okay. know, when you get black people singing, they produce a very, very particular color. You yeah. Know? And you know instantly that's a black gospel choir, you know, as soon as you hear them. You don't have to see. And the same is with the Bulgarian singers. And often, you know, if you listen to, say, for instance, you know, you can tell sometimes the difference between, say, Spanish classical singers and Italian classical singers. You know, there's a different color in the voice. And I think sometimes that also has to do with the use of the language, that yeah. you develop different muscles because, you I know, also, of how you're speaking. I also you're, think, you're, too, because of Spain had more influence from more yeah, more strings. If you listen to the difference between Russian, which is a lot sweeter than, say, Polish. I did a, a recording of the Goretzky pieces, not long ago, the Songs of Sorrows, and I had to learn to speak Polish um, in those songs. And it's extremely, it's so different. You sing from such a different part of the throat when you're doing singing in Polish than, say, if you're singing in a, an unknown vernacular. I would, what, what about Dutch? <laughs> I bet you there's I a lot of throat in the Dutch. <laughs> Have you sung in Dutch? No, but I, the way they speak is so much in their throat. I bet you it's interesting that yeah. way. Yeah, it must be pretty, pretty weird. Here, I want to hear, I want to play a stanka now.
photographs in bulldozers Before they flattened back the earth And if I'm an artist, I don't move in straight lines. I'm a shaker-upper of what passes for reality. The conventional is suffocational. I'm a living Zen Cohen. I did, I did, set the bed on fire. I did, I did, blow up the clothes dryer. I did, I did, give everyone the finger. Nothing was the matter No, nothing was the matter I did, I did Bake a razor cake I did, I did Pray for an earthquake I did, I did Try to levitate, but No, nothing 
maybe they'll grow. I pooped on the sidewalk and stole my own car's tires and radio. Oh, boiled the TV and kerosene. Painted my goldfish as aquamarine, but nothing was the matter.
engines, I am so fucking dizzy in the head. Does this mean that I could be close to being dead? Fucking brain dead. If I had a brain, I'd be brain dead. They're still here for now, but it feels like I'm my dying breath. In which case I will die on the floor On this more On this more Is there something that the inner organs still want to do? Still alive, still alive, but again Head is forming red Still breathing with this and elements of feeling dead Don't really wanna be dead Don't really wanna die dead
lot for Pedro show. That was Estanka from the Mystery of the Bulgarian Voices. Uh, guided by Voices after that with Evolution Circus, brand new. Take no how. Chris Butler with I Did, I Did. Uh, Akron. Oh, how. M.B. Jones from Pusan. Well, that's where he's teaching. Dancing on a video game, The Healers. Just west of Chicago with You're Alive, You're Dead. And Mold Omen out of Baltimore with Moxitica. Moxit. Moxica, too. Uh, so, what, what, what do you think uh, earned their trust to let you in? Because these are like uh, daughters of mothers and uh, grandmothers and st fathers and sons, right? Yes. Well, I think because I'm probably, out of all of the instruments that I'm known for, I'm probably most known for my singing. Uh-huh. <laughs> You know, so they they knew my work, and um, yeah, I think it was the connection was because they knew my work. Oh, oh, so they're they're also contemporary too. They just don't. Yeah, it's not just the old stuff. Okay, but they want to guard the old stuff. Yeah, no, the things that I do, I don't think you're familiar with the work I do, but um, the work that I do, it's it's very abstract. So it doesn't really, it's not really contemporary in a sense. Um, I can't explain that. It's not like modern rock music or something. So it's, it wasn't so far away from what they were doing. You understand? Okay. Yeah, kind of, I guess some people say ethnic, right? Yeah, I, I don't like that. That's a terrible word. Person. Yeah, that's a terrible word. I'm sorry. That's okay, but you for, know, for me, music is music, you know, and it's, it's saved my life. Okay, <laughs> so I wouldn't want to dirty it with some kind of word like that. I'm sorry. No, uh, we're at the end of the second hour, though. Watch um, for Pedro Show, August twenty second, two thousand eighteen. Special guest Lisa Gerard. Hold tight for hour three. August twenty second, two thousand eighteen. It's the third hour of the Watch from Pedro Show.
Well, if you want to know more, well, then I want it in red. Why do you flash the I drive quite a few some hours to see one of your smiles. I drive professionally 14 years to give you one ride to the hospital. I exist to serve, and I drive to prove it. Hell, you say, let's get down and move it. I drive out that side door into my coop, and we be gone. I drive enough to get us to safety. Drive till you felt sane again. Drive down some crazy roads with white-knuckle driving. Leave it behind, the terrible thing. I drive. Drive us crazy if I have to. Drive us to distraction. We've had such a terrible curse. Drive till the wheels fall off. Drive to the end of the world. Let's take it anywhere. Drive a little more. Drive the point home. We gotta live and party. And I drive.
Off from Pedro Show, we started the third hour off with Maniani from the Mystery of the Bulgarian Voices. Then we heard Farther South Out of Tel Aviv with the Lesson Learned, Create and Transformation, Part 1. Andrea Rotin, he's an Italian guy living in Czech with Explode, Joe Brewer, Madison, Wisconsin. I drive. Finally, Patrick Grant with Alamo Tilt. Uh, back with Lisa Gerard. And we we're speaking about uh, uh, Bulgaria because I played a lot of Kodorowski on the show and young people. And they mix in some of their stuff. And we were uh, speaking about people leaving for work, uh, the smaller vi- villages, and uh, not just Bulgaria, but in the former East Bloc. Uh, d- d- does uh, the, the Bulgarian singers, um, do they tour in the East? Well, of course, they tour when they can, you know. Um, they're in a very different situation now because, of course, you know, when the things changed and they were no longer communist, they now have to have normal day jobs, you know, where before they worked for the radio in Bulgaria and they were paid by the government wages. So it's really changed for them now, you know, so they're not traveling so much around the Eastern Bloc countries. They get mostly invited to countries in Western Europe. Okay. Yeah. Have, have they ever played over here, U.S.? Yes, they have. Do they yeah, have, they have when, they, when they won the Grammy, they were doing concerts over there. Ah. Uh, and when this was in the 80s? Yes. Okay. Because li- I'd like to check them out. Uh, yeah, really. amazing. Because uh, I really l- love the record, you know, and I would like to see. How many, how many people are in the band? There's probably 30 women. 30 women. Yeah. You're right about the logistics. <laughs> wow. And and just the vehicles. You can't get everybody in the van. You need a couple vans at least. <laughs> no. Right. right there. Do, you, do you have plans to make uh, uh, further recordings with them? Of course, yeah. I really want to work with them again, um, especially now that we're doing concerts because, of course, the work grows differently, you know, when you're doing concerts. And um, it takes a different form. And you start to develop a relationship with how you're working together. So, be, you know, I'm really looking forward to writing some more music with them. You think you got a better handle on it when you compose for the next round? Well, you know how these things are. You know, we just have to see what's there. Okay. Um, but I do have uh, imagine. I have a vision for some things that I would like to write with them. It's just that because you're, when you're working with them, you can't so much touch their tradition. You can't just decide that you're going to get them to sing in Western scales. So you have to form the pieces so that they are reverent to what's going on with them and what they understand also. So it's very much a process of elimination, if you understand. The, the the way the work has to grow organically. You mean you like know, you start off with too much and then you take away? Well, unless you have an understanding of Bulgarian folkloric law uh-huh. in music, it's really something you have to learn to do together. Ah, okay. So in a way, they're kind of teaching you. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah, great. Yeah, I've, I've learned a lot about my voice since I've been working with them. Okay. Yeah, because... The, it's a very different style, you know. That's okay. I want to play this uh, slut say. Did I say that right? Slut say. <laughs> 
Watford Pedro show, we heard a Slutsa, the mystery of Bulgarian voices, then Wink and Badge, Midwestern Medicine out of Maine, uh, Pyramid Blue with Que Bonitas on Las Flores, Soto with My Blue Plane, the Soto version, and finally, Zable Yalo Agne, the mystery of the Bulgarian voices. And off air, people, I was uh, asking Lisa about the titles because I just got the digital sound files. She says they're stories, of course, because it's a folkloric thing. And uh, actually, uh, she'd like to explain a little bit during the Ottoman times. Yes, during the Ottoman times, that um, the Bulgarians, of course, were in battle and, and used to hide in the mountains. And a lot of messages were um, were sung across the mountains it was done through voice that sort of uh, like secret messages were sung through the mountains because they knew how to where you could hear the voices because they understood the the way that voice traveled through the mountains. So a lot of the development of the voice and the power of the voice is coming from this. Also, they had embroidery in the costumes that um, communicated secret messages to the men that were quite far away. And a lot of the young men, because they were executed when they were 12 years old, they used to dress the boys up in women's clothes um, uh, to keep them safe from from the Ottomans. And a lot of the embroidery was uh, uh, developed from this kind of a disguise. You understand the yeah. messages disguise to let people know that this wasn't a girl, it was actually a boy dressed as a girl. And it was really very interesting, you know, but the voice developed and also it was uh, because of being a mountain culture that a lot of calling the animals as well, that also was partially uh, part of the development of the sound of the voice. Interesting. And so you're saying there's a lot of metaphor, a lot of analogy Yes, and inside the some of the songs on this album, which is really nice when you have the cover because you can read about that, but, you know, it's about the loss of a lamb or, you know, a young girl leaving the house for the first time and the sadness of missing her family or, you know, there's these kind of stories that are really touching and very innocent, you know. Did you learn Bulgarian, Lisa? No, I don't sing in Bulgarian. I have my own language that I sing in. Uh -huh. um, which I think is why they asked me to work with them because they were interested in the language that I've invented to sing myself in. And the combination of the two languages works really well. Are, are you aware of this band, maybe 70s in France, called Magma? I know the name, but I don't... I don't they had a drummer know. man, or they have, the guy's still around, older man, but he invented his own language. He sings in his own language. It's kind of connected with aliens or something. Oh. But, uh, no, and you know, uh, uh, in jazz music over here, uh, with this thing called scat, right? Yes, you of course. Yeah, there are many mean. musical languages. I mean, you're taught to, to, just because you're taught to speak in a system doesn't mean that, you know, that you don't have a musical language. I think everyone possesses a musical language because it's the language that you communicate with before you're taught to speak a practical, systematic language 
and you know it's um, in everybody. But you know because people have be, they lose their confidence because they think that they have to be intelligent, they have to speak from intelligence instead of from the soul, that we lose that source of communication in um, in in our uh, invented invented sounds. So, you know, because people become fearful and they feel they have to sing words to um, be acceptable, which is a pity really because we cut ourselves off from yet another form of communication, you understand, but... Oh, yeah, yeah, it's a problem with humans. Uh, humans uh, get very strict about silly things. <laughs> but, uh, in fact, that's great advice, because that, that's what I wanted to ask you finally. If you met a young woman just getting into music, what advice would you give? Just getting into music? Well, a lot of people ask me that question. I think people have music in them before they're getting into music, but... If you mean from a certain amount of creating some kind of success for yourself or how to enter into uh, the work, of course, these days it's extremely difficult. But one thing I've learned is that if you do something enough and if you really love it and you apply yourself enough to it, that you don't have to go to find work. The, the work will find you, that people will find you. And, you know, it's really about that because whenever I've gone to look for work, I've never got that work. It's always because you dedicate yourself to the music that you make and ultimately or, or eventually um, that the people will find you. That's very wise insight. Thank you very much for that. I also want to thank you so much for being on the show. And, well, thank uh, you for having me. It's been a pleasure. I've really enjoyed it. Well, absolutely. And then, and then turning on people to the, the, the Bulgarian tradition of singing. And, them, yeah. and the idea of them letting you in with your own language and to collaborate like that, to make a, a third thing. That's beautiful. Yes. Really beautiful. Yes. It yeah. is. It's really beautiful. And thank you. Thank you very much and much love. Okay, right back. People, it's been August 22, 2018 edition of Watt Pedro Show special guest, Lisa Gerard. Keep your powder dry. <laughs>